to the scriptures in the New Testament. And I'd like to encourage you to go to the book of Philippians in chapter number four. The book of Philippians in chapter number four. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God is still in the saving business. Recently, during the Alabama campaign we have each year down in Montgomery, Alabama, recently Mrs. Ellis went into the ladies' facilities and had the opportunity of leading a lady by the name of Jessica to the Lord. As soon as she prayed with her, Mrs. Ellis asked her, said, do you have any idea when you're going before the pro board? She said, I have absolutely no idea whatsoever. Mrs. Ellis prayed with her, and the next day when they went back in, unbeknownst to her, they had called her out, brought her before the pro board, and gave her a date when she'd get out of the institution. She got out of the prison and joined the Essential Women's Prayer Group at the Rock of Ages Ministries, joined up with some of the Bible studies that Mrs. Ellis conducts online with ex-prisoners and their families with some of our missionary wives, and she wanted to get baptized. Now, we don't baptize. We're not a church. I believe that's under the authority of a local church. That in the Lord's Supper, without the church uh, given the authority to our missionaries to baptize under the authority of the church. But I'm glad to report to you this morning that she made contact and said she was going to go to the church, Grace Baptist Church. It's in the Montgomery area. We give the preacher a little bit of a heads up. He texted just before church started and said, Brother Ellis, just want to let you know Jessica showed up for church. She's excited. She's wanting to get baptized, and she's on fire for the Lord. And so salvation, God's still in the saving business. And God's still changing lives tonight. And I'm grateful to be a part of that. Now, if you have your Bible in the book of Philippians in chapter number four, let's stand in reverence to the reading of the Bible. And we do have our books and Bibles in the back on the table. Uh, please stop by there. If you're a preacher here tonight, I do have a book. You may already have this. It's been out for a while. Heartbeats of the Holy. Brother Joe Bryant, uh, Joe Bryant, uh, Brown, pardon me, uh, prints and produces these. We've been selling them. And we have so literally thousands of these. It is a great book. If you've never read it, you ought to get a copy of it and read it. I presented this to a church I was a member of for many years. And I said to them, I, and wrote, read some of the quotes out of it, and had a lady came up to me. Her name was Shirley. And she said, Brother Ellis, let the preachers and everybody buy their books, and I'm going to buy what's left of them. I said, Shirley, you're not a preacher. Why do you want them? She said, after you read some of the quotes in that book, I know a lot of preachers are going to get a free copy of that book. I'll buy them and send them to them. And so we have just a few of those left. I think we only have about five or six. But if you want those, those are in the back, and I know it would be a blessing to you. Now, Philippians chapter number four, and we'll begin reading in verse number four, Paul writing to the church at Philippi that started in a church, a Macedonian prison cell. And he says in verse number four, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Notice in verse number six, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your heart or let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You may be seated. As we consider this passage of Scripture tonight, I never cease to be amazed as to how the Lord puts together services from the singing to the testimonies and all that's involved in worship. Your preacher began to talk a moment ago about the blessings of God and the thanksgiving and being thankful and rejoicing in all that God's done for us. And tonight, the Holy Spirit of God has laid upon my heart to go to this passage of Scripture 
And I want to preach specifically in verse number six, because notice Paul says, be careful for nothing, and watch this phrase, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Now watch this, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And by the grace of God, for just a few moments tonight, I want to preach on that subject matter, thanksgiving. There is a vast difference in thanksgiving and thankfulness. You can be thankful and never express your gratitude, but you cannot have thanksgiving and sit idle or dormant. The vast difference between thankfulness and thanksgiving is that thanksgiving requires action. Thanksgiving requires verbiage. It requires putting something into action to express the gratitude of our heart for what the Lord has done. It is an expression, if you please, of gratitude. Let me give you a couple of biblical examples, and I'll get into my text tonight, just three things briefly. In Psalm 92 and verse number 1, the Bible says it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and watch the action and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. And so, again, thanksgiving requires an action on our part. I can be thankful for Mrs. Ellis, and I am, but if I want to have thanksgiving toward Mrs. Ellis, it's going to require action. I love the Lord, and I'm thankful for my salvation tonight, but if I want to give thanksgiving to God for my salvation, then it requires that I worship him tonight and that there is some action to my thanksgiving. In other words, it is putting feet to the prayer. Thanksgiving is putting feet to thankfulness. As we consider the matter in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 and 19, he said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then in Psalm 116 and verse number 12, the Bible says, what shall I, watch the action word here, render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me. And so I say again tonight that thanksgiving requires action on your part and mine. People that are ungrateful are not only unthankful, they are not able to give thanksgiving. And according to Romans 1.21, people who are not thankful and able to give thanksgiving, they are in danger of becoming reprobate. In Romans 1.21, because that, when they knew not God, they glorified him not as God, neither were, watch this, thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Gratitude does not come naturally. Thankfulness does not come naturally. Now I want to give you three things in our text tonight, if you'll bear with me, concerning the matter of thanksgiving. Notice in our context, if you would please, in verse number six, notice he starts right off with a simple statement, be careful for nothing. Now the word careful in the context of this scripture is talking about basically anxiety. He's not saying to live a careless life, but what he's literally saying is, be careful. Don't allow yourself to become anxious or full of anxiety. We find an example of this in Matthew's Gospel in chapter number six, verse 25 through 34. And don't worry, I'm not gonna read the entire text tonight. 
But I want to emphasize some of the truths that we find in this passage of Scripture. And in verse number 25, the Bible says, Matthew says, Therefore I say unto you, watch this, take no thought for your life. And the word thought in this passage of Scripture, it's talking about consideration that leads to anxiety, that leads to fear and fretfulness and fearfulness. It is, if I may say this tonight, it is a sin of ingratitude that is killing many Christians and ministries in our generation. People are ungrateful for their church. People are unthankful for their pastor. They're unthankful for their deacons and Sunday school teacher. They're unthankful for the blessings of God which he has bestowed upon them. And so here in this passage of scripture, he gives a clear-cut command to take no thought for your life and then notice what he says, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, neither yet for your body what ye shall put on. And so God is saying when you consider these things, the basic necessities of life, food, raiment, and clothing, God says, I don't want you to get worked up over these things. Because when we get worked up over the basic necessities of life, it causes anxiety, and anxiety destroys a heart of thanksgiving. We cannot be thankful tonight and express our thanksgiving if there is a sin of ingratitude in our heart. The Bible says in verse number 26, he said, behold the fowls of the air. And so now he is giving us a natural example in the animal world of the uh, world of the fowls and the birds of the air. So he says, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. And so God is trying to drive home through Matthew a simple truth in the Bible, and he simply says, consider the fowls of the air. They don't go out and till the fields, they don't plant the seed, and they don't water it, and they don't weed it, but yet your heavenly Father takes care of them and supplies their every need. And then he follows with this statement. And he says in this passage of Scripture, are you not much better than they? Which of you taking thought can add one cubic to his statues and why take you thought for raiment? And I'm not going to go through all the text tonight, but what he's literally saying is this. He talks about the fowls of the air and all that God provides for them and they don't have to work for it. God in his grace and mercy and in his law of the Bible, he feeds them and takes care of them and God supplies their every need. And now he says to you and I, are you not much better than they? You know what God's saying? When we come to the place that we fear and fret and allow ourselves to be worked up over these basic necessities of life that he in his divine promise of the Bible has already promised to provide, God's saying that you and I, when we do that, we are putting ourselves beneath the animal kingdom. God says, they trust me. I take care of them. I never fail them. So why are you getting worked up? It robs the heart of thanksgiving. It robs the heart of gratitude. 
and thankfulness. And so we find that we should be careful concerning the condition of the heart, the condition of the mind, and we should ever be grateful and have gratitude and express our thankfulness through thanksgiving to the people that God has blessed us with. I want to say something here tonight, and God forbid, I'm not uh, speaking of myself, but I'm using this as an illustration to drive a point home. It's been about six, maybe eight years ago, I was preaching in the state of Virginia, and the preacher asked me, he said, Brother Ellis, after a Sunday morning service, he said, how many different churches or pulpits have you preached in? I said, I don't know. I'll have to check and see and get an estimate. So I went home that afternoon and went back through my years of scheduling and calendars and so forth. And I went back that night and I said to him, I said, preacher, I don't know exactly, but I can tell you conservatively, I've had the privilege by the good grace of God to preach in over 1,000 different pulpits around the world. Now I said that tonight, not to brag about how many pulpits I've been in, but I said that tonight to say this. I don't know how many of you have ever traveled outside of this area in Fairmount, Georgia, and I know some of you have that are in the ministry and missions or evangelism or ministry or traveling with your preacher, but I've traveled all over this nation and all over the different continents of the world. Not that I'm a full-time international traveler. I don't want to give a false impression of that, but I've traveled enough to know this. What you have here tonight at Concord Baptist Church and what we have at Bible Baptist Church, you don't find too often in the generation where you and I live, be it in America or on other fields around the globe. And you have something tonight, Concord Baptist Church, to be thankful and grateful and have a heart giving of thanksgiving and attitude to worship God and bless his holy name and lift up holy hands and praise him for all of his blessings tonight. I don't want to be critical, nor do I want to be caustic. I'd mentioned I believe in passing to the preacher this morning, to Pastor Sutherland. I've been to a lot of churches where the doctrine's right, the music's right, the separation's right, the philosophy's right, the doctrine and all, everything is exactly where it ought to be. But they are lifeless. I've overheard conversations of people being saved in this church recently. Do you know there are churches in America that go year after year after year after year and not one single soul gets birthed into the family of God through those ministries? I remember years ago, we had a opportunity to buy a Winnebago. When we started out on deputation a little over 37 and a half years ago, we only had about $450, well actually, let me rephrase that, our bills was $450 a month, we had $125 a month when we went out full time on deputation. If you know anything about a Winnebago, they're made for tropical weather, maybe South Florida, South Texas, Southern California, Arizona, and those regions. And so, we found it and I went into the bank at Tunnel Hill and there's a little bank on the corner there and I walked in and greeted them told them where I was, and I guess I must have been fairly arrogant. I didn't mean to be, but I was confident. Let me put it that way. And I said, I'm here to borrow money to buy a Winnebago, a motorhome. And I said, God's called me into the ministry, and God's called me to be a missionary, and I found this motorhome. I want to move my family into it. We're going to live in it. 
and uh, I want to buy it. Now, it wasn't that much, and uh, it needed a lot of work, we found out, but I believed it was the will of God, and so I went in, and I said, I want to borrow the money to buy this motor home. And he looked at me, and he said, okay, Mr. Ellison, you fill out your credit report, and I filled out all the application, you know, and he looked at it, and he kind of scratched his head a little bit. He said, now, Mr. Ellis, he said, um, let me make sure I understand this right. He said, you're wanting to borrow money to buy that motor home. Right now, you only have $125 a month coming in. Your bills already are $450 a month. He said, Mr. Ellis, he said, uh, now, nah, I'm not real big on math, I guess, and he's trying to be kind to me, you know. He said, but that puts you a lot of money uh, upside down on your payments. He said, sir, he said, and you really think this bank is going to loan you that money for that vehicle when you're that much? short of your monthly bills already? I said, sir, I don't know if your bank's going to loan me that money or not. I just know God wants me to buy the motor home. That's the one he raised up for me. That's the one I have a burden on my heart for, and I'm just here to ask if I can borrow the money. I said, God told me to buy that motor home, and I know he's going to provide it whether you do provide it or not. He looked at me strange. He said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I won't turn this into the uh, committee, but he said, the president of the bank is here. And he made the rounds out of a few banks throughout Dalton and Chatsworth and so forth. And he said, I'll take it back and let him look at it and uh, let him make the decision. Well, he went in the back with the loan app and he stayed and he stayed and he stayed and he stayed. And I'm getting ready to get up and leave. I thought, well, he's just going to wait me out and I'm going to have to leave. And so I got up and was getting ready to leave. And he came out and uh, he said, Mr. Ellis, have a seat. He said, uh, the president's here and said, I told him about your loan app and what you wanted to do. And um, he, said, uh, he said, now what? Said he's got 125 coming in. He has $450 a month in bills. Would to God, that's all I had today. And said, and he wants to borrow money for, uh, to buy a motorhome on top of that. Now, the motorhome wasn't that expensive. It's only like $4,500. And we didn't have a penny to pay down on it. And he said, yes, sir, you, you heard me right. He said, I asked the same question. He said, and he's a what? He said, he said he's a missionary. He said, what's a missionary? And he told me, because I had to tell him. Uh, he told me, he had told the president of the bank. And uh, I said, well, I said, the bottom line is, what did he say? He said, well, he said, uh, you know, we normally don't do this. He said, in fact, that's ludicrous. He said, but if he says God told him to do that, let him have the loan, because I'm anxious to find out if God's going to provide and we walked out of there and walked down the road, uh, drove down the road and got our motor home. And you know, during all that time, I, my heart never was filled with anxiety or fear. You know why? Because God, the Holy Ghost of God said, go and I'll be with you and I'll provide and I'll take care of you every need. And if God called us and God leads us and God directs us, there's no reason to have anxiety. Someone said to me a while back, said, Brother Ellis, you don't take Tums and Rolades and all that. I said, and acids. I said, no, sir. I said, they said, why not? I said, let everybody else have them. I want to go to sleep at night. I don't say that to be a smile. I'm simply saying this. God says, don't allow your heart to be filled with anxiety and fear. You know why? Because it robs you of your thanksgiving. Don't allow it to rob you of your gratefulness and gratitude to God. Secondly, pray about everything. 
See, the Bible says in our text tonight in verse number six, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And so in this passage of Scripture, he says that when we pray, we ought to pray with thanksgiving. You know, I'll be honest with you, for a long time, for actually several years, I prayed, and when I would go into my prayer life, I would begin immediately make an intercession for others. and go. But sometime I was in my prayer closet, and out of my heart, I began to thank God for everything he had provided for us. And I went back from my salvation and even my childhood and began to thank God. And you know, I went for hours just thanking God for his blessings and provisions in my life. He said, pray with thanksgiving. And when we pray, we show our dependence upon God. Prayer acknowledges God's preeminence and in our insufficiencies. I remember a simple illustration. I remember years ago when I worked for a gentleman by the name of Billy Raper, and I'm sure that many of you remember Brother Raper. I've not seen him in years. I'd heard that he recently went home to be of the Lord. Not sure if that's true or not. Did he? But I helped him when he did the concrete over there at the camp and the fellowship hall. And I remember him coming in one time. Uh, Pastor Sutherland, we walked in, and he said to us, he said, now, you boys, he said, you get your clothes ready. He said, we're getting ready to go work for a place. And I forgot, it's going to be, I don't even remember the length of time. I, I know it was well over a month. He said, you're not going to get paid for it. Now, the camp or nobody said that. That was Billy's decision. Well, I didn't know. I was a young preacher, and I just going to do it. So we went over there and we began to work and God provide by faith and through that God taught me to live by faith. And I remember when it was all said and done, Brother Allen took us all out to eat that was there and we were eating and uh, I'd ate so many chicken legs and chicken breasts and chicken and I had a big rounded plate full and Peggy looked at me and nudged me on the ribs and said, if you eat one more piece of chicken, I'm walking out of here, I'm embarrassed that you're eating. But I got my fill for my concrete work. But I remember as if it was yesterday. We were having prayer services and testimony services. And I remember one of the concrete trucks backed up or whatever, and one of the men, I don't remember who it was, asked Brother Allen, said, Preacher, would you like some water? And Brother Allen said, Yes, sir, I would. And he went and got some water, and he's holding the water. And he said, now, boys, we're going to pray and thank God for this cup of water. And uh, he bowed his head and began to pray and thank God for that cup of water. And I'm telling you something, that prayer and thanksgiving, it did something to my heart. It changed my prayer life. It changed my perspective on praying and giving thanksgiving to God to pray with thanksgiving and always giving God all the praise for all of his provisions and all of his blessings. I've been a Christian for 43 years, and I've been a missionary for over 37 years. And I'm going to tell you a little secret tonight. God's never failed me. And I owe him everything tonight. And then, thirdly, with me tonight, I want to park here for just a moment, but I'll not be long. Notice the Bible says in verse number six, be careful for nothing. Don't allow yourself to be filled up with anxiety. It'll rob you of your joy. And everything, give prayer with supplications. And then notice with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Can I just put it this way? Be thankful for anything, the good things and the bad. 
You know, I've learned the hard way over the years that when we give things to the Lord, we better leave it in his watch care. I was thinking about some years ago. We dedicate our children to God and ask God to take their life and use them. And then when things don't go exactly the way we think they ought to go and God allows them in his providence and things to happen in their life, we tend to have a drive of the motive of the heart to try to take them back. Can you bow your head and thank God for the good things as well as the bad things? To be thankful for everything that God has done for you and everything God's given to you. Matthew Henry, to have a, an example of a, thanks, a heart of thanksgiving, Matthew Henry, who wrote the commentary of the Bible, made this statement. He said this, he said, um, Two thieves accosted him and robbed him at one night and took him of his pocketbook, his purse, and all of his money, and he wrote the following words in his diet, and I'll read them verbatim. He said, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not someone else. We ought to have a heart of thanksgiving to the Lord. We ought to thank him for our health. And I believe sometimes we take some of these things for granted. Our largest uh, column of prayer requests in our ministry we pray for every day and we pray for churches and pastors and other mission organizations and, and different uh, health issues with cancer and uh, heart attack, people dealing with heart issues. But one of the greatest aspects of our prayer requests outside of those that need salvation is those that are battling health issues. A pastor recently in Florida that years ago served with the Rock of Ages ministry and his wife just went home to be of the Lord and left him with his children because of a battle with cancer. One of our missionaries just a little way south of here, uh, just about a year or so ago, actually a little under, passed away after a number of years of battling with cancer. And there's many of the great men of God, and I don't mean to open wounds tonight, God forbid. That's not what I want to do. But I'm just simply saying that we ought to thank God for our health. How long has it been since you bowed on your knees and you prayed and was overwhelmed with thanksgiving in your heart to God for your spouse and your children and your grandchildren? And you thank God for your home. Just last night, we went into our home. We're on the road all the time. When I was in Oregon, we stayed on the road about 300, uh, 295 to 315 days out of the year. We didn't even, they had a state tax, but we didn't have to file it because we were gone so much. And we just was at home last night, and Peggy looked at me with tears in her eyes, and she said, you know, I thank God for the home that he's given to us. I thank God for the roof over our head. I thank God for our family. I thank God for his blessings. I thank God for our relationship. How long has it been since you just bowed your knees to God and said, God, I want to give you thanksgiving for your blessings. Thank him for your vehicles. How has it been since you've overwhelmed, been overwhelmed with thanksgiving over your church that God's put you in? Your pastor, the deacons, 
the Sunday school teachers, the song leaders, the choir. And I'm not trying to be critical tonight, but if you'd go hear some of the choirs we've heard, you'd thank God for the choirs you've heard today. For your salvation. Some time ago, I was on my knees in my personal prayer time and I just casually said, God, I want to take a moment and thank you for my salvation. And when I said that, I was overwhelmed with the presence of God and his blessings. How long has it been since you bowed on your knees with your Bible in front of you? When I got saved and I'd read John 3, 16, preacher, I couldn't even tell you what it meant. I'm not so sure I can now after preaching almost 44 years and give you the depth of John 3, 16. But I remember, I remember... Brother Heffington, I'd go home with my Bible and I'd lay down on the bed with it and I'd hold it up to my chest and tears had streamed down my face and I'd say, thank God for the Bible. And I'd take that Bible and hug it in my bosom and kiss it. And I'd get on my knees, I'd read the Bible and couldn't understand the text. And I'd beg God and beg God and beg God and beg God and plead with God until I fell asleep pleading before the throne of God that it helped me to understand the Bible. And I'm thankful tonight for my Bible. I thank God for my freedom. And I thank God for my friends. You know, heaven's going to be a place of praise and thanksgiving. We talk about the worship in heaven, and there ought to. It's in the Bible. But in Revelation 7, 11, and 12, notice if you would with me, please. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, now watch this with me, blessing and glory and wisdom. And we're looking forward to we get to heaven and we can lift our hands and say blessings and holy and wisdom and honor unto our God. But notice the Bible says, and thanksgiving. And honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. And John shouts, Amen! Along with all the worship and giving God the glory and the honor, we'd be hearts full of thanksgiving, thankfulness, and expressing in thanksgiving, falling before the Lamb of God and laying our crowns at his feet. There is a song, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace, streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. You know what's wrong with some of us tonight? We just need a heart tune-up. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. The masses of people are divided into one of two categories, those that are thankful and those that are not. It is said that Cyrus gave one of his generals a cup of gold and to another, he gave a kiss on the cheek. The one who received the cup of gold envied the one who received the kiss on the cheek and the approval of Cyrus. 
Let this world have the silver and gold. And I know it takes it to operate and, and fund ministries. Don't misunderstand me and missions. But if I can have the dew and the kiss of the brow of heaven, I'll take that any day over this world. Oh, to hear those words when he stand before him, well done thou good and faithful servant. Someone has wrote, if in the past year your gold has gone and your silver had been swept away, but you have felt the kiss of the brow of the everlasting God upon your cheeks, stand up today with Samuels in the land and set up a stone to mark the spot of the Father's visit and sing in joyful note, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Thank God for his blessings. Thank God for the power and the dew of heaven and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit of God in the heart of the believer. Thank God for it. Have a heart of thanksgiving. James said, ever good and ever perfect gift cometh down from the above cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variables, neither shadow of turning. There's a song, and I'm not a singer tonight, and you'll thank God that I don't try to sing it if you ever hear me sing. It's a simple song. My Father is rich in houses and lands, and he holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands. Of rubies and diamonds and silver and gold, his coffers are full. He has riches untold. It is said that during the famine of Egypt that Joseph ordered the servants to throw wheat and grain into the Nile so that when it went downstream and the people would see it in the Nile, they would collect it and they would know that there was plenty up above from where it came from. The Bible says in Psalm 103, forgetting not all of his benefits, what are some of the Christian benefits? Very quickly, forgiveness of sin. Thank God for forgiveness of sin. What sins are you talking about? He cast them as far as in the east as in the west. He blotted them out according to the scripture. He put them behind his back. Thank God tonight my sins are gone. For the preservation of life, for his blessings and for his sanctification. How can we give him things? Let me give you two or three things very quickly and moving. One, we can give thanksgiving by obeying his word. The Bible said in Luke 6, 46, and why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You want to be thankful to God and give an attitude and a heart of thanksgiving? Just simply obey the Bible. That's one of the best ways we can show our gratitude to him. Secondly, we can give an offering. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 16, 29, given to the Lord the glory to his name, bring an offering and come before him, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. What you did this morning was a form of worship. And given to faith promised missions and world evangelization, verbally thank him for his blessings. The Bible said in Hebrews 13, 15, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Just bow your knees and say, God, I want to thank you. And if you'll start, it'll all come to you. Thank God for the people he's used in your life. If I were to start naming names tonight, I could keep you here for hours of men of God 
that God's used to impact my life. Let me ask you, have you somebody who's had a big impact on your life? How long has it been since you went to them and said, brother, sister, I just want to say thank you for what you've done in my life. How God's used you, they may not even know. It'd be a tragedy for them to go to heaven without your expressing your gratitude. Thank the people that God's used in your life. Paul said in Philippians 1, 3, he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. We have much to be thankful for. Let us express our gratitude to the Lord. I'm going to ask him to come to the instruments, get ready to close tonight. But let us thank him for what he's done in our lives. I'm talking about a heart of gratitude, a heart of thankfulness. You know, the home might be a little sweeter if every now and then the spouse hears those words, you know, I still love you. It might be a little different if along the way a child hears these words, I love you, and I thank God for you. It might be a little different, and it might be a little salvation and deliverance in that sense to the family or the wayward child. I remember years ago, a testimony was given, and I'm getting ready to close. A lady stood and said, we had a child, a young man, and it cost us to have him birthed into the world. Grew up, constantly went through shoes and clothes, and cost us to raise him. He got in school, and we had to pay all of these funds for him to get involved in sports and all of these things. It cost us something. He went off to college, and we had to pay his tuition, and boy, did it cost us. She said, but then he died, and now he don't cost us anything. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. It's not tonight that you don't that you're ungrateful. You just need a heart tune-up. You're skipping, just like a vehicle, when the plugs are fouled. Come thou fount of every blessing. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues of fire. Praise thy mouth. I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. What about it tonight? Mm -hmm.